Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right. Well, I'm happy to be here with you guys this morning. All right. You guys in a good mood today? So I, we had this curious thing happen, guys. Lindy mentioned it earlier. It's not all of you guys were probably here, but uh, we have a rooster that showed up on Wednesday in front of our offices. And, you know, he's just been, Lindy said cock-a-doo-da-doing. I, 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 what is the official rooster noise? Crowing? Roosting, who <laughs> said roosting, that's awesome. Uh, and, you know, it just feels so significant. You know, I, I love signs that make you wonder, make you curious. And, you know, we serve such an amazing God, such a beautiful God. And so uh, I just found out, Jen and I had the privilege of going to the beach the last seven days. And, um, so we get back, I, I pull in this morning and all the kids come running up. There's a rooster in the sanctuary, crowing or caw, whatever he does, that thing, um, over and over again. And you know, the, the, the Lord took me back to a few things. And so I really do wanna just wanna start there. And you know, our greatest desire as lovers and disciples of Jesus is to live a hearing life. A life that hears presently because I don't know about you, but if you're, you're living on yesterday's word, it starts to taste like rotten manna. And God is a present God. He's with you. That's why the greatest thing that we're celebrating here is his presence. And so our ability to just stay locked into the humility of a hearing life. And so we'll see if I get to uh, what I had planned originally. And... Uh, so if you just go there, but right now, just turn your affections to him. Just maybe put your hands out in front of you because I do feel like we're receiving a gift today. So Holy Spirit, Father, we, we just stop right now to be present. Just go ahead and take a deep breath in. Those of you that are used to praying in this type of a moment, I want you to not pray. And I just want you to listen and stay in that posture of receiving. We just breathe in your presence, Holy Spirit. We just breathe in your presence. You say you are like wind. So we breathe in your presence this morning. We, we know that the greatest gift that you have given us is not heaven, it's yourself, which is heaven. <laughs> And we thank you that heaven isn't only a place that we're going to after we die, but heaven actually gets to be a re reality on earth because we're following your presence. We are living a life as disciples that are following you, King Jesus. And so we just echo what the rooster says, which is wake up, wake up. Every part of us, 
our mind, our will, our emotions, every part of us wake up to the presence of God. All the places of pain, all the places of hope, all the places of discouragement, all the places of favor and gifting and weakness, we say, wake up to the one thing that is the chief desire of our life, which is following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I, I saw tumors disappearing this morning. So if you have a tumor on your body, or even if it's a, a growth, um, even if it's like a calcium growth, whatever it may be, I want you to check that out during the service. Just keep on checking it out. It's one of my favorite moments. I was in a, uh, I broke my finger when I was 13 playing basketball. And uh, when I was 23, I'd already had so many people pray for it and didn't get healed. And I was in a wedding and they were singing the song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And so I had a big calcium deposit on there and it, would, it was arthritic and it just gave me a lot of pain, especially during the winter seasons with arthritis. And I was in a Baptist wedding and they're singing the song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And I'm just in the middle of the wedding and I go, oh, I just received that for me. And immediately I lean over and the, the, the growth had just completely disappeared. I've never had pain since just from a break that didn't heal properly. So just during the, the, the service this morning, I want you, if you have any sort of growths or tumors or warts, anything that's not supposed to be, any rashes on your body, I want you to pay attention just to the presence of God. And I just wanna see, someone has athlete's feet in here that's gonna get healed today. So there's some things that God is doing um, just with, uh, yeah, just growth. So, but, so when we, you know, we get here, we see this, and immediately Blake says to me, he says, do you remember the road runner that happened in Bethel Redding? And so Jen and I were in Bethel Redding and uh, from 2000, and Jen was there from 2001. I showed up in 2002 after we got married, and we were there till um, almost 2006. And during that time, there was this road runner for these, uh, I think it was about a nine month period, a road runner, a physical roadrunner that would show up um, outside the building. And at first it was outside the building and then every once in a while doors would get left open and the roadrunner would jump, would show up in the building. And there was uh, just one of our uh, people that, that Jen was really close to. I, I got to know a little bit and they were a maintenance person and, and they would sit there and just worship with the roadrunner and and the road bumper would sit there and dance back and forth every time worship happened, would do this little like jig. And, and it happened for months. And then one day they, they came in and the road runner got scared and ran, to, ran towards the uh, uh, thought was an open door, but it was glass and hit the glass hard and fell over dead. And we had been talking about it in church for months. We were excited about what God was doing. And I, I remember uh, Bill finally got up there after this roadrunner had died and he said, he said, because we were all just jazzed about what the Lord was doing with this roadrunner and felt like just a place of worship and uh, significance around evangelism and all these different things. And so uh, he ended up getting out there and, and, and he heard the Lord say to him, uh, if you don't take what's happening within the church, outside the church, it will die. 
If the kingdom stays within the church, you get a bunch of dead religion. You get denominationalism. And any ism isn't helpful. And so uh, we, we, we see this, this rooster and I, I, I was reminded in our prayer meeting of Psalms 24 and I remember it was, a, it was a sparking revival meeting for me. It was a Sunday night service and we had a speaker from England in and, and they ended up reading out of the message translation Psalms 24 and Lindy read it out of the Passion a, bit, a minute ago, but I wanna read it to you guys again out of the, out of the, the message translation. And I love the way Eugene Peterson says it within the message. Uh, Chapter seven, I mean, verse, uh, chapter 24, verse seven. It says this, wake up, you sleepy-headed city. Wake up, you sleepy-headed people. The king of glory is ready to enter. Who is this king of glory? God, armed and ready for battle. Wake up, you sleepy-head city. Wake up, you sleepy-headed people. The king of glory is ready to enter. Who is this king of glory? The God of the angel armies. He is the king of glory. And I, I do feel like the rooster crowing um, is a sign for us to wake up. I don't know about you, but there's been so much pain happening in this last season. It's really easy to become complacent in the midst of pain because you're looking for something. And you get real introspective in a place of pain. And I feel like the Lord is asking us to wake up this morning. And I love it. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. A lot of time when we have moments like this, we get so introspective and we're like, I must be blowing it. I must be doing something wrong. We get that, that spirit of shame on all of us. And that's not what he's doing right now. He's actually another, a translation says, lift up your head. You know, those moments where you're so introspective and you could be introspective because of what's going on politically. You could be introspective of what's going on in the news, what's going on with race, what's going on in your own life, what's going on with a job loss. And you just start to feel like you're swimming in pain. And I love this verse because he says, pick up your head, look up. And anytime we look up, it's a posture of getting out of shame, getting out of introspective and looking up and seeing what? What do we get to see? We get to see this King of glory. We get to see the Lord strong and mighty in battle. Don't you love it that the Lord fights your battles for you? One of the greatest postures of fighting is in this place. Just worship, just stillness, in silence, in that place of focusing all of our present attention on the presence of God, to behold this King. I love it. In 2 Corinthians, it says, as we behold his face, we will be conformed into his image, into his likeness. And that, that, that word is taught, it's metamorpho. It's this transformation as we'll behold him, as we look at him, as we see him, 
And I think one of my big questions for us today is what are you being comforted by? Because we have been in a painful season. And what are you being comforted by? And I was also reminded as we saw the rooster running around, I was reminded of that place obviously with Peter and Jesus. Do you guys remember the story? So here in Luke, after, after Peter and just had some great moments with God, with, with Jesus, and then Jesus is getting ready to, to wash their feet and, and, and Peter, you know, with all his fervor, you can't wash me, let me wash you. And Jesus is like, let me wash you. And I love Jesus. He's so tender. He comes down low and he washes our feet. He wants to get the mud off of our feet. And this is the moment where he says that, that, G, that Peter, you're gonna deny me three times. And in that place of, of denial, so here in, in, in Luke 22, Then they seized him and laid him uh, um, away, bringing him into the, the high uh, priest um, house. Then they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard. And then you remember this first, a girl comes up to him. And then two other times people come up to him and he's like, I'm not one of his disciples. I don't even know him. And what's so curious about the end of this verse, which is gonna take us more into where we're headed today it says this, Peter said to the man, this is verse 60 in chapter 22, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Uh, I, I, wanna, I wanna say something. There's a difference between shame and godly grief. So many of us have been raised in shame culture. And I'm sad to say, but religion perpetuates shame culture. But a relationship perpetuates godly sorrow and grief, which actually leads to repentance. And here, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went and wept bitterly. I felt like I was supposed to say something today to people that are online. There's been this deconstructing of faith and I know the reason why so many of us have gone through a lot of this process of deconstructing our faith. The challenge is, is so many of us, and I have a, a few personal friends who have deconstructed themselves out of believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, crucified, risen again. And I felt like today as the rooster was, was crowing, there's an invitation for the kindness of the Lord that actually says, 
This, we're not trading in our relationship with the Lord for dead religion or the perversion of what religion has taught us. And so many people that I know, again, I have close pastor friends that are just like, I don't believe in what the cross did anymore. I don't believe in what the gospel has done. I don't believe you need repentance. And I, I felt like there was this moment of godly sorrow and grief coming over your heart because you need the very thing that every single family, every single individual needs, a savior. We need a savior. We need a Lord of our life. We need the crucified and resurrected Jesus. Without the crucifixion, there's no resurrection. And so many of us have, have now, again, it's been so heartbreaking and I, and I heard the rooster crowing this morning and I, and, I, and I heard the kindness of the Lord like he did to Peter saying, you can come back now. Today's the day of repentance. Today is the day of not repenting to this old dead religion, but repenting to a relationship with the King of Kings, the relationship that he loved you so much that he would die on a cross to pay for every sin, past, present, and future, so that you might be adopted in to be a son of the living God. There's no sonship without repentance though. You are created in his image and his likeness. But in that moment of being lost, there's this moment of repentance that takes place, the great exchange where we actually receive the cross. We receive what the gospel so graciously gave us where he took all of our sorrow, all of our grief, all of our sin and paid for it on a cross. And now we get to live as a resurrected people, as a people that are called sons and daughters of the beloved God. And so I wanna to say to you today, if you're wandering now aimlessly, it's time to come back. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus has to be the sinner. That place of repentance, it's his kindness that leads to repentance. And I wanna say, I'm so sorry that you fell into dead religion. And I'm so thankful for the kindness of Jesus. So Jesus, right now, we just humble ourselves before you and we thank you that we have great need and our need is we need a savior. And Jesus, you are that savior that died that we might have life in you. And so I just thank you for the gospel the gospel is for all of us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Uh, what, what, I, what I was feeling like I was called to talk to you about this morning was, was what is the road to comfort? Because I don't know about you, but I've needed some comfort in this season. Anybody else need some comfort in this season? And... It's very human of us to long for comfort 
in external comfort um, realities. And so, so many of us, how many love food? Come on now. Food is so comforting. So good. So comforting. Did you know it's a gift from the Lord? I I love it. I almost say it every time I preach because it's my favorite quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, badness is just spoiled goodness. And we love that every comfort has a right version. But so many of us find ourselves um, where these comforts ultimately become places that rather than we ruling it, rather than Jesus being the Lord of our life, that we find these other places of comfort being the Lord at moments. And I love it. Food can be a comfort. Drink can be a comfort. Sex is definitely a comfort. Definitely a comfort. If you're married and you don't have a good sex life, it's time to get a good sex life because Jesus is with you and he wants you to have a good sex life. And there's gonna be healing in what I'm gonna talk about today. So entertainment can be so comforting. You know that moment where you've watched Netflix or a show just one too many times and you start thinking you're friends with the person? You guys all know that moment. You start talking to your spouse or your best friend like you know the person. We've all had those moments. That's when you may know it's a little bit, you you, you might've crossed over to where the thing that is in a healthy way comforting may be coming something else where it starts to actually begin destruction to your soul because we are all built for comfort. Another thing that's so comforting is sleep. And I did feel like uh, I was in Australia um, about two years ago. And while I was there, I I, I felt this strong, just uh, word of knowledge that the Lord was restoring sleep. And so I got up there after I was done preaching, I I called out, I said, the Lord is restoring sleep. And um, I preached on mourning and, and comfort while I was there. And I got to pray over this one couple, an amazing prophetic couple that um, so, many of the, so many of the beautiful churches there in Australia really look up to. And, and the, the, I end up getting a, an email a couple days later. And in the email, the pastor actually received the email and he told me about it. He said, Justin, after you prayed, the gentleman that you prayed for had not slept Um, a whole night, eight hours of sleep in four and a half years. He had experienced some uh, PTSD in a a certain church experience. And he had just been waking up night after night being tormented by the tormentor. And when you prayed for him, uh, he slept the last three nights completely, um, a complete eight hours of sleep. And he feels like a new man. So sleep is an important place of comfort. But have you ever been in that place where sleep becomes an addiction? All you want to do is sleep. And maybe it's because you feel depressed, but it becomes a place of comfort. And I felt like the Lord wanted to release comfort today. And so we're going to stay in in, uh, Corinthians here. And so I would love you to turn to Corinthians. And so we're going to... We're going to go to uh, Corinthians, uh, we'll go to uh, Corinthians 1 first. So let's do that. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. 
So let's start out in verse, let's start in verse two. God to, um, grace to you and peace from God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in um, any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you know that comfort is a supernatural reality? It's a place here that you will have fully in heaven. You won't need it in the same way in heaven as you do here. And so I love this godly comfort. For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. I want you guys to see a pattern here. There's a pattern when it talks about sorrow or grief or suffering, it always ends up in the same place. Where does it end up? In comfort. So the question is, is how do we get comfort? How do we live a life comforted by the comforter? And so if we are afflicted, it is for our comfort. If you have affliction, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure. Ah, how many of you like to patiently endure? Really? I don't. I want to know when we're getting out of this. When is this going to be done? Whatever the this is, I want to know when the other side is coming. And we're in such a culture, aren't we? Of the other side is coming. It's today's your day of breakthrough. Are you excited when the preacher gets up today and says, patiently endure? If you're here, most like you've been in a charismatic world for so long and you're like, I reject that. I, you know, you like karate chop it out. I'm not gonna believe that. Today's my day of ending. And again, I love all that stuff. I'm teasing about it because it's so us. I love to tease us because sometimes we need to laugh at what we're strong in so we can actually see other things that we're weak in and we need some more of. So this enduring patience, it actually leads toward a reality. And the reality is a life of comfort. Let's finish this up here. So endurance, the same suffering that we suffer, and then I love it, he goes right into hope. And you remember, hope is not specific. Uh, Our hope comes from a who? It comes from a person, it's Jesus. Faith is specific. Hope just knows he's good. Hope knows he's with me. Hope knows he will be by my side, even if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. And so our hope for you is unshakable. I love unshakable hope because it's in the person. For we know that as we share in our suffering, you will also share in our comfort. And so I, I, I love this. And so what is comfort? a state of physical ease and freedom from pain. Everybody say pain. What do most of us do with pain? We run from it. 
We avoid it, right? Nobody wants to go through pain. I remember I, I tore my ACL in 2003 playing basketball and wow, I was so looking forward to getting healed. I didn't get healed in the miracle sense. I got healed by going to a doctor and they put a, a cadaver's Achilles tendon in my ACL ligament. And I remember just cause I didn't have a lot of knowledge back then about what should I be doing. I had my legs stuck in one moment in one position for about four months. So you can imagine the atrophy. And then there was some really mean people. Do you know what they're called? They're called physical therapists. They're like counselors, which I can relate. They like to poke and irritate your pain. I remember at one moment, my leg was stuck in one position for so long. Um, it was just so, it was just stuck there. I had three therapists, physical therapists on top of my leg. I was laying on the table, holding the side and they were trying to push my leg down flat. This is what I would go do three times a week. So my job was to grab the table and scream as loud as I could. It's a great picture though of what mourning actually looks like. You guys, the reason we have to mourn is not for mourning's sake. We're actually looking for the end, which is comfort. We're looking for healing. But a lot of times healing takes, and I love this, the testimony for me because it's just so beautiful. Uh, you know, I, 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 tear, I tear my meniscus another time, get another surgery. I tear my meniscus a third time, getting ready to go in for a third surgery, and I totally get healed the miraculous way. Yeah, I like it too, but hold on. It shows a, a piece of our lives, a reality of the truth of our lives, that not everything we experience the miracle of healing that way. Sometimes we have to experience the miracle of him being present with you and walking you through the pain. These are the tensions of the Christian life, right? That we don't like to talk about. I so much, it was so much more cheaper. It's so much less painful for the miracle to happen. But the result actually became um, similar. The, the, the result was one was patience, endurance. The other was actually walking. Um, the other one was just, I'm here, I'm getting prayed for, I'm testing it out, I'm totally healed. And I love this about God. And one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, you know, is, is, is in the Beatitudes. And it says, blessed are those who mourn. Everybody say mourn. Because they will be comforted. So you guys, we need to ask ourselves the question is what is mourning? And a lot of times you hear the word mourning and grief interchangeable. And so if I could give you some definition, grief is the internal meaning given to the expression of loss. It's the internal meaning. It's the, it's the knowing I have loss in my life. Did you know you have loss in your life? Did you know you have loss in your family of origin? Do you know why? Because every single one of our families needs the gospel. Even the ones we think don't. You ever look at a family and you're like, wow, if, if I just had all they had, I'd be here. You know those feelings? But that family needs the gospel 
as much as your family, because all families from Adam until now need the gospel. They need Jesus. They need the resurrected Lord to show up. And so in this place of understanding that we all have grief and loss, we also, this is mourning. Mourning is when you take that grief, that loss that you have on the inside and express it on the outside. It's actually getting the sorrow, the pain, getting it out of you. So how do we do this? And again, the result today is comfort. The result today, this is the result of what happens when you grieve. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Mourning takes that place of patience, endurance. I love the life of David. And David, when he wrote Psalms 23, he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why does he say that? Why can he say, when I'm in the midst of hell, when I'm in the midst of Hades, I will fear no evil. Why? One reason. Because he is with me. Jesus is with you. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is your place of comfort. But I love that word. It says, though I walk. And I've noticed, I've been doing pastoral counseling now since 2008. So a few years, and I've seen hundreds of people come throughout my office. And a lot of times, I, I, some of the way I do counseling, that comes back to three major points. Forgiveness, repentance, and mourning. And I've been years around so many amazing believers like yourself who know how to do repentance and forgiveness really well know how to walk out, know all the scary verses about, um, I mean, about forgiveness. If I don't forgive them, you won't forgive me? Okay, I got it. And so we have the posture of forgiveness. We're always like, pain happens, I forgive, I forgive. I'm just, it's like, you know, it's like hot potato, right? With forgiveness, we're like, get it out, get it out, get it out, which is beautiful. And if you don't have that posture, let me say today, Today's the day to forgive because it releases you. But there's another side, which is called mourning, which it's like hot potato, but the opposite. You actually grab the potato and you look at it as it's burning your hand. The challenge is, is what do we do? So many of us learned when it comes to pain, we learned to deny it, we learned to bury it, we learned to skim over it. We learned, I already forgave. Forgiveness is not mourning. I'm gonna say that again. Forgiveness is not mourning. And as Christians, we, we, we get these things confused. And so we live a life and our head hits the pillow and we say, why do I still feel alone? And I wanna tell you today, 
It's because we've been, for one, we've been taught a lot of crazy things about this. We don't know how to take the pain. And again, my example of David. David's my, my favorite person to look at his life because David told the whole story. Did you know that honor tells the whole story? Another lie that we believe on, about Christians, honor doesn't tell the whole story. So you ask Christians who were raised in a Christian home, how were your parents? And immediately they think what I thought, which is that really scary verse that says, honor your father and mother so that you have a long life. So what we've interpreted that as Christians means is we don't wanna actually talk about the reality of what we lived in. We wanna paint this picture because it's the picture that um, our parents painted for us, which is a lot of times dead religion. I can't tell you how many pastors, kids that I've counseled that said they'd be driving on the way to church and screaming and yelling at their kids, cussing at their kids, and immediately after saying, make sure you don't tell anybody. And then they would get up there and preach a sermon. Then they would go home and live the same hellish life because religion taught us to keep the outside looking good, which I think I look pretty darn good today. But more important than our outsides is this, is the matters of our heart what's going on on the inside. And I know when I counsel those parents, it's the same generational stuff that has gone line to line that says dead religion is how you get healthy. Dead religion does nothing when it comes to health. What actually comes when it comes to health is actually looking at the reality of your story. And this is what's happening so much in our society right now is everybody wants to talk about every other story and how they should be looking at life. It's what the whole political spirit and religious spirit does. Instead of the only story you can own is your own. The only story you have true permission to tell is yours. And mourning looks like I'm gonna tell my whole story. And how I do it with honor is actually tell the truth of what happened. Why? Not for, not for uh, uh, um, what is it? What do I call it? Uh, not for blaming. Blaming is not what that does. We're not going around blaming one another. Well, I'd be better if I had better parents. It's not that spirit either. Because blaming does not do anything. To name though is way different than to blame to actually name what's going on, to name the reality of your story. And this is why so many of us don't own our story. This is why you are addicted to the news. Because we don't want to sit in our own story. Because again, in all of our story, there's pain. But the whole purpose of this pain is we have a God that wants to be with you in your pain. He wants to sit there with you. He wants to walk with you as you follow him. He, that's why he longs for us to tell the whole story. And the whole story leads to comfort. It leads to the comforter being present with you. So I want you just to stand up today and I just want to release the comforter. I want to release the Holy Spirit And I, I'm gonna say this too. You're never meant to mourn alone. We're always meant to mourn here, face to face with him and face to face with one another. 
heart to heart with one another. I didn't get to talk about what it looks like for our needs to actually receive comfort. What it looks, what are our needs? What is the nutrients that come and bring us comfort? But guys, the number one thing that brings you comfort is not good advice. It's not a new revelation. It's not some place of of truth. It's the truth of the person of Jesus being present with you. Presence is what brings comfort. And we wanna be a church that that we're present with one another. Where it's not about all these words of wisdom or revelation. It's also about being present one to another. So put your hand on your heart. Father, today, we wanna be a people that tell the whole story. We don't wanna look at our life with denial or comparison. God, forgive us of comparison. If your parents taught you your story isn't as bad as that person in Africa that lives in the garbage dump, so get over it. These are the the places that keep us stuck within pain. We think that thankfulness is gonna come from that reality. That's not thankful. You can only be thankful for what you have. You can't be thankful for what you don't have. It's all we're called to steward. Okay, I'm still preaching. I'm supposed to be praying. So more than anything today, we release the comforter. And we thank you for this rooster that is crowing in our midst and saying, wake up. So today I say, hearts, wake up. Emotions that have been shut down, wake up. Places of deep pain, I say, wake up because your healing is here. And his name is the Holy Spirit, the present presence of God being with you. And I thank you that we have a culture that we are gonna know how to sit with each other in the midst of our pain. We are gonna be those that know how to bring comfort, not with our words, but with our presence. So I just thank you for a people that receives comfort. So just say this with me today. I receive comfort for every place of my mind, every place of my emotions, every place of my heart. Thank you for being with me on this journey of comfort. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.